Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Speaking for the Silence podcast on the Hopewell Valley Student Publications Network, where students come together to publish content to share with the world. The opinions expressed in this episode are mine and mine only. Please enjoy the show. In this episode of Speaking for the Silence, we will be focusing on two stories of sex trafficking that occurred in New Jersey, not far from where we are now. In January of 2018, state troopers found a 17-year-old girl alone in the middle of the night on the side of Interstate 295. Her name is kept private because she's a minor. When questioning her, the girl initially refused to speak of her circumstances, even though there was evident signs of abuse and assault. After some time, the girl revealed to officials that she had escaped from a hotel where she had been held captive and forced to perform sex acts for men. Soon after, her traffickers, Ashley Gardner and Breon Mickens, both of Trenton, were charged following an investigation into their affairs. It was found that the two had prostituted the girl without her consent and found jobs for her throughout the web. They would post ads on websites such as Backpage.com and they acted as contacts so they could pimp the girl out to potential buyers for her services. For the days before she was found, Gardiner had arranged between 5 and 15 men for this teen girl per day to service. She was also denied food and water, kept high on marijuana, and denied contact with her family. While Gardiner was a so-called mastermind of the operation in actually arranging the jobs, her partner, Mickens, did the grunt work, driving them about and forcing the teen to follow their orders. Many sex trafficking cases follow this type of hierarchy, where there is one person organizing the actual business transactions, and there's another person of a so-called lower hierarchy who acts as a bodyguard or a driver and actually puts the business in motion. As of 2021, Mickens has been sentenced to five years in prison, while Gardner has received 50 on account of first-degree conspiracy and human trafficking. While it is relieving to know that the victim has gotten justice and is reunited with her family, I find it terrifying that a crime so heinous could happen so close to me. Human trafficking is a crime that, to many, seems very far away. It feels more like a horror story, one that you can see on TV or maybe on news broadcasts, but never really in real life. But this is a reminder that sex trafficking is a very real and very present threat. Traffickers are connected to each other in an almost interwoven web. The more of them there are, the more power and influence they may exert over their victims and in their business. This is how they can keep their crimes hidden. The next story will focus on an international human trafficking ring that was exposed in 2021 that was run by a considerably larger group. Early February of 2021, authorities announced the charging of 22 members of a trafficking operation that made its base in Bergen County. This organization targeted women and forced them to perform sexual acts and had reportedly had a presence in industry for around six years. It was reported that more than 50 women, most of them immigrants from Mexico, were caught up as victims in the prostitution scheme. A shocking 1,500 clients had supposedly purchased services from the trafficking rings and were identified after it was exposed. The actual arrest of the 22 members running the ring occurred in a months-long investigation. They were charged with crimes ranging from prostitution to racketeering to money laundering 
and finally, human trafficking. This shows how human trafficking overlaps with many other crimes, especially those involving debt bondage or monetary operations. One of the ringleaders, Nancy Rincon, escaped to Columbia, where authorities are hunting her down to face justice in New Jersey. Her victims ranged anywhere from in the late teens to the mid-30s. These women were arranged in various rented-out apartments and condos across the tri-state area, where they would sometimes service as many as 40 clients in a single day. The work was physically grueling, as expected, with some workdays lasting as long as 12 hours at a time. How are these women acquired? The ringleaders reportedly posted online ads or, by word of mouth, recruited young Mexican women to immigrate to the U.S. They promised jobs and shelter, but when the women arrived, they were then forced into prostitution. The women were transported by drivers who were paid hundreds each day just to bring them to buyers, which is a process known as alcohol service prostitution, and which we saw happen in the earlier trafficking case as well. Prosecutor Mark Musella stated that $35 to $40 was charged for a 10- to 15-minute session. These small-time increments built up over time, and the crime rate was reportedly bringing in hundreds of thousands of dollars each month from the work of the captive woman. The women were compensated with half of what they were paid for for the prostitution. However, most of this money ended up back in the hands of the crime ring heads to pay back the debt the woman had supposedly accrued for being brought to the U.S. in the first place. Basically, although it may have seemed fair that the victims were being compensated, the people engaging in trafficking ended up taking most of the profit and leaving the traffic with little anyways. The illegal funds they acquired over time were traced back to as far out as Florida, where $250,000 was found. Many of the perpetrators arrested were of Mexican descent, yet they still exploited people of their own ethnicity anyways. And to me, this shows that human trafficking is a truly blind and heartless crime. Currently, the prosecutor's office is coordinating efforts with the Covenant House to provide shelter and crisis care for the 50-plus women rescued from this trafficking sting. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Speaking for the Silenced. See you soon!